so often people sort of get stuck. I guess it's it's the goal, right? Go find your purpose, go find your mission. But sometimes in order to find that purpose and mission, you just have to start with not staying complacent. Welcome to Playmakers On Purpose. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec, widely known as the 49ers Y coach, now your coach. In this transformational podcast that takes purpose from an out-of-reach North Star to a practical and tactical exploration of how we can take action on purpose every day. This is your all-access pass to a tribe of leaders in business, sports, and life who are ready to share their playbook where purpose becomes the igniter of the impact and the performance that we're all after. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so we can make plays and level up on purpose together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Kara Golden into the conversation. Kara is a proud founder of Hint, best known for its award-winning and industry-leading Hint Water, now generating north of a quarter billion dollars annually. She's also the best-selling author of Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Accolade-wise, let's just say she's got a few. How about being named to InStyle's Badass 50? Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business, Fortune's Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs, Ernst Young, Entrepreneur of the Year in Northern California, even the Huffington Post listing her as one of six disruptors in business, alongside Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. I hope you're as fired up for the conversation with Kara as I am. And as a reminder, many of today's top takeaways can be found in the show notes on playmakerspod.com. With that, let's welcome Kara Golden into the Playmakers Podcast. Kara, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. We are so fired up to have you. And by the way, I was just mentioning off camera, Undaunted, which every single Playmaker needs to pick this up. Wow, would be an understatement. So we are certainly going to unpack that. Of course, talk about your hint journey. But to bring all playmakers in, many folks may know you because of what you do. Where I really want to kick us off is more about who you are and why you do what you do, given that this is playmakers on purpose. So going back, I open up Undaunted, I'm seeing some of your childhood journey, and I love that and I'm going to quote here, for you, no means maybe, <laughs> and maybe means yes, which is awesome. Where did that mindset come from? Yeah. So my poor f- parents, I mean, it was, I was <laughs> that, that kid that was, so I was the last of five kids and my parents got really good by the time I rolled into the scene at saying no. And so my goal was always to get them to not say no. And I thought if once I got them to maybe, then I had them, right? And it was it was always my goal to get them to at least maybe. And it was very rare. I had a pretty good batting average of, uh, of you know, once I got them to maybe, it was done. And so, um, so that was, uh, you know... Definitely my my childhood, I think, uh, you know, definitely good development for being in sales, which I 
I guess I have been to some extent at being an entrepreneur my whole life, whether it's trying to raise money or um, sell product into Target or Costco or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I definitely have, um, I learned a lot of things just through those negotiations as a child with my parents um, that uh, helped me later in life. For sure. And another thing that I captured from the childhood journey is the power of the question, what's the worst that can happen? So we're going to zoom out and eventually we're going to talk Hint Journey and we're going to talk about the book Undaunted. But it seems like this question has been this powerful force in your life, because if you're going to be undaunted, if you're going to be brave and courageous enough to persevere and launch what many considered a crazy idea that eventually leads to Hint Water, you got to be asking the question about what's the worst that could happen. So talk about why that question is so important to you and how it has served you since you've really applied it to helping you navigate life. Yeah, well, what I found is that, you know, it's easier to look back on situations where you, maybe you stressed out about something. I mean, maybe you you remember taking that test when you were a kid and, and you thought, oh, it's going to end up really bad. It's rare that it actually ends up as bad as you ever thought. Right. Fact. And uh, I was a gymnast growing up and, um, you know, I used to very much stress out about meats and and all of those, you know, things that I thought were going to happen. I'd fall off the bars and it'd be terrible. I'd be laughed at. Right. I'd have <laughs> nightmares about it. And those never happen. And so I think that that is something that I think a lot about around business as well, where, you know, you, you don't actually tend or most people don't tend to take risks because they think that it won't work. And, you know, and I mean, this sort of goes to another thing that I'm fond of sharing with people, which is that if you think too much about the end, that you'll never get past the beginning, right? It's just, it's, uh, cause you know, you're so worried about hitting that goal that you got to take those steps along the way uh, in the case of Hint to make the product to, um, you know, you got to take those steps. There's not shortcuts along the way. And so they're, they're all really important things that I think people kind of, you know, forget about. And, and again, there's all these stages in life that, you that maybe you never ended up doing those things because you thought, oh, they're too hard. I don't have the right experience. Um, I could look really stupid. I could lose my job. I could, you know, whatever the excuse is. But it's very rare that it actually does. If you look back on history, whether it's your own history or someone else's history, and that's why I love reading about entrepreneurial journeys, because it's just they they all went through something. Right. All, all those entrepreneurs. Countless and yet, things, yes. So often we think, you know, Steve Jobs, he founded Apple. Right. It's a trillion dollar thing now. But there were so many dark days. Right. Where there were things where he doubted, you know, he got fired right from from his Roll, like all of those things, yet we don't 
actually think about those things or hear about them on a what that entrepreneurial journey was all about. So again, asking what's the worst that can happen, maybe even here's here's another thing that I get people to think about. Maybe even something happens and that actually changes course for you, right? That that those things happen. Um, one of the stories, if you don't mind, if I share this, of course, uh, please. One of the stories that I think a lot about and and share as an example in my own life that I have is uh, we were in Starbucks. Hint. And uh, that was a big day when we got into all the Starbucks. We're in like 6,500 Starbucks. I was so prepared. We we only had one flavor. It was the blackberry flavor. I was super excited. We were only supposed to go into 300 and then they changed the plan. We went into all 6,500 locations. And so I wanted to make sure we stayed in there, that we didn't get kicked out of there. And so it took us about six months to kind of reach the level that I knew that they had told me that they would be happy with, um, you know, volume wise. And by the time an hour or an hour, a year and a half into this relationship, that's when, I mean, we were killing it. We were doing like three X what we were supposed to be doing. There was no way in my mind that we were getting kicked out of there. It was about 40% of our overall business. Cause I just sat there. I was so confident in that business. And then there was a buyer change and that buyer wanted to change the whole strategy, right? She had her own agenda and she wanted to put food in the cases at Starbucks, higher margin businesses, all the right reasons why she wanted to do what she wanted to do, but she needed space. She only had so much space in that case. So hint, BlackBerry was out. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, how, how can this, how can this happen? We're killing it. We're doing three X. And when is this happening? Next week. I'm like, next week. Like, <laughs> no, oh my goodness. right. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm dying at this point. And all I'm thinking in my head is I hate her. Right. <laughs> Why did you take the job? Go away. Where do you live? No, I'm just kidding. But it's, you know, like all of these things. And, but then I'm also thinking I have investors I have product that's going to go bad in the warehouse, and this is 40% of my overall business, and I'm dead. This is bad, right? Like, I, I, I don't cry very often, but I cried. I got off the phone, and I just thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So when I resurfaced after a couple of days, I thought, okay, we have to figure something out. I had this product that was going to go bad in the warehouse. I had to share this news with investors. And I always believe that it's during those times when you really have to believe that the stars will align. You have to listen maybe a little closer. You have to network. You have to figure out what do you have to be doing you can't stay complacent. You have to keep moving in some direction. So I get an email from Amazon. And Amazon 
was starting this grocery business. And the buyer, I get on the phone with the new buyer and and want to know a little bit more about it. He loves Hint Water. He has Blackberry Hint every morning with his Starbucks latte. And, the, and I'm like, <laughs> the irony in that. Yes. Do I tell him that we've been kicked out of Starbucks? And I thought, well, I mean, we'll see how the conversation goes. And then he said, listen, I need product like yesterday. How fast can you get it for me? Because we're moving really fast. And I said, if you wire me the money, you can have three truckloads now. And he said, you're kidding. Oh, my God. You just solved the biggest problem for me. Uh, This is amazing. So my inventory was gone. Starbucks owned it. Or sorry, Amazon owned, owned it now. And I was like, okay, one problem solved. This is amazing. I hope it actually gets bought, right? I hope it does well. We became one of the number one products on Amazon. It was huge, right? And and so there, going back to the Starbucks situation, something I learned, you know, when that turmoil hit is that I had too many eggs in one basket, right? Starbucks was 40% of our overall business. When things are going great, that's the time not to sit, you know, on your pedestal and chill out, right? That's the time when you need to figure out opportunities because that's why it hurt so bad. And that was my fault. Starbucks needed to do what was right for their business, I wasn't happy about it. Um, I wish she never would have taken a job at Starbucks. But regardless, it was really my fault and I needed to own it because it was 40% of our overall business. And so, uh, but also being open to those possibilities, who was out there that we could do business with to sort of put a Band-Aid on my current situation, all of a sudden that Band-Aid became, you know, a great business to overtook, you know, the business that we were going to be missing from Starbucks. But in addition to that, a year after being in Amazon, the buyer shared with us that the consumer that was buying Hint was unique compared to other beverages that they had on the service because they were crossing over into areas like they were buying things in sports or in health. So they were buying diabetes monitors where somebody who was buying, you know, Pepsi wasn't buying diabetes monitors. And so they said, you know, it's really interesting because you're creating this healthy halo the, this this consumer that we didn't used to see in beverages. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Can you give me their email? Because I really want to reach out to them. And the buyer said, no, I mean, that's Jeff Bezos's email. There's no way he's going to give you the email. We own the inventory. Does, does Starbucks or Whole Foods or Target give you emails? I'm like, no, but you're Amazon. You're an online 
I mean, that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? And they're like, no, like we're not going to get that. <laughs> so it was at that point when I decided the only way I'm going to get the emails is to start drinkhint.com. And it's fascinating because I always think about this as a visual where I think Starbucks for really allowing me to be open to other opportunities. And I think Starbucks and Amazon and ultimately, I mean, drinkhint.com is like 35% of Hint's overall business now. That never would have come to be if I wasn't willing to go and take those risks, if I wasn't willing to kind of open new doors, new opportunities where the entire beverage industry, when we were going online in 2012, was like, cases are too heavy. Why would you do that? That's not the way beverages are sold. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's fine. You guys can think that. We're going to do what we're going to do for different reasons. We want to have that relationship with the consumer. Anyway, so long-winded story of how that all goes back. Yeah, and I love where you're bringing us because bringing every single playmaker into this, while we all have our independent stories, think about this piece of life and where your message connects to mine deeply, Kara, as you know, I talk about playing defense versus playing offense. And it is, it starts with a mindset, but the mindset means nothing unless it inspires action. And so when you have this offensive mindset, think back to the early days of the pandemic, everybody thinks that was such a difficult time to hit the gas, so to speak. And sometimes hitting the gas is a sidestep. Sometimes it's the cliche of one step back to take 10 forward, but you're always moving. And where I love that you made it human and vulnerable, Kara, is you didn't lie about it for one. You, you told us how you felt about, and I know you're half joking about the lady uh, at, at Starbucks, but where I love you brought us is it took you a couple days. It wasn't perfect. It was painful. You needed to process. You needed to recover. You needed to prepare your game plan. And you didn't even know what the game plan would lead to. You didn't have a crystal ball that would say Amazon's going to hit you up the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. You didn't know that there's a future business opportunity that will eventually be 40% of the pie through this online piece that might not ever get invented if Starbucks doesn't need more space in their shelf. So for all playmakers, what's happening in your life right now that may seem like it's out of your control, but as you process it and you set an offensive game plan for not only the recovery period, but now how you can actually grow from it. And, you know, I know you brought up Steve Jobs earlier. I, I've heard you in other podcasts talk about how he has shared, and this is knowledge that now we're aware of. When you look back at life, not only the power of your question of what's the worst that could happen, but Steve Jobs always says, it's easy to see how things connect to one another in retrospect. And so this is less about making the perfect step today. It may be imperfect action, but at least you're taking steps. And as time progresses, you can reflect back and say, how has all of this served me? How have I grown because of this? For playmakers, how are we living more on purpose? So Kara, I appreciate that you brought us there. 
And that's something that I want to stay on the topic of hint, because now the world sees this quarter billion, correct me if I'm wrong, about a $250 million um, annual business and highly successful. And you can tap into the origin story and also where I, I found the most fascinating part of your journey was when a Coke executive challenged you and essentially said, this ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. This flavored but unsweetened water, it doesn't exist. And so I'll let you tell the story. But where I want you to bring us is you said, and that's the moment that something clicked. So A, for Playmakers, tell us about that experience with the Coke executives and then what clicked because of it. Well, it was at a time, it was about, I guess, a year into the journey of Hint, and there were so many problems, but probably the the top two problems, which really could have shut down the company, was we couldn't figure out how to get a longer shelf life for the product. We were, you know, I felt like every time I walked in the door at Whole Foods, I would feel like... I had achieved something like we were doing well. And then they would say, oh, well, you need a longer shelf life. And they kept raising the bar. I'm like, I just met the bar last week. Can't we just hang out here for a little while? And they're like, no, (laughs) you can't. You got to do it sooner. You're going to get kicked out of here. So that was just this ongoing conversation. And then the other piece of the conversation that was really hard was um, distribution because I was living in San Francisco. I could, you know, run around town in my Grand Cherokee and and deliver cases, but they didn't want a bunch of us running around, us meaning entrepreneurs running into stores. So we needed a distributor, so somebody who consolidated product and, and brought it in. And so I didn't know how to really solve that problem. And I also didn't know how to solve the problem of getting our product without shipping it to like Denver, right? Like that was too far for me to do in a day from San Francisco, drive my Grand Cherokee over there. So a friend, I had connected with a friend who knew this executive at Coca-Cola. And when I ended up getting on a call with him, as my dad said, thank God, you weren't meeting in person because that would have been like a really uncomfortable conversation. Um, You know, I shared with them for the first 15 minutes how we had grown in San Francisco that, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I come from the tech industry. I I wasn't a beverage executive. Um, But what I found was that there was this audience just like me that had given up drinking diet soda, diet Coke in particular. Of course, I'm talking to the Coke executive. He probably was like, you know, I wish she never came into this uh, call and and, uh, same feelings I had about the Starbucks person, right? But it it was about 15 minutes in, he interrupted me and said, uh, sweetie, this business isn't going anywhere. Uh, Americans love sweet. And I thought, did he just call me sweetie? I mean, this is, I've never been called sweetie. I've been called a lot of things, but I've just never been called sweetie before. And I was really, really surprised. And I went on to keep listening. I think maybe to figure out whether or not I had misheard him in some way. But then the longer he talked, the more I realized that he believed in this strategy, this um, take on the consumer. 
And that's what he did every single day. And he kept saying the same thing over and over again. And so his idea of the consumer was quite different than what I believed the consumer was. And I wasn't going to sit here and tell him, no, actually, I was that consumer and you wouldn't have kept me if you would have sweetened the product but got the calorie countdown because I was on to you because I was not getting as healthy as I wanted to. Instead, I was thinking that, but I didn't say that to him. Uh, and instead, by the end of the conversation, after we were on the call for an hour, it was pleasant enough. I hung up and I thought, I have a choice. I can either close the company down because he's clearly not going to help me figure out how to get a longer shelf life or he's not going to distribute the product for me. He doesn't even think that I should have a product or a company. He's laughing about it. Or I know my consumer. I think the consumer is used to be his consumer and is coming here. And so what I need to do before he figures out that his consumers coming here is throw the gas on, right? And I need to focus on my consumer because he has one thing that I don't have, which is a lot more money. And so if I educate him on who this consumer is, and let's just say that he might believe me, who knew? I mean, I didn't have any experience. Why should he believe me other than the fact I was a consumer? I knew enough that it was going to take him a while to, to turn the cruise ship, right? His cruise ship. Yeah. And so I thought ship, yep. I needed to just hit the gas and go as far as I could. And along the way, maybe our worlds would intersect. Hopefully he wouldn't figure out what I was thinking this about the consumer because again he had a lot more money and he could you know crush me like a bug but i think for me it was it was um it it's funny because so many people have picked up on on that story and they would say things to me like is uh you know why didn't you correct him why didn't you hang up the phone uh weren't you really discouraged when he called you, sweetie? I mean, here he has a lot more experience than you do. But I think it's a story about if you really believe that, first of all, you're doing something that can actually help people. And you see the consumer and you're so sure that that consumer that you're looking at, you've got a good read on them. It doesn't matter how much experience somebody has. They're just reading the consumer differently, right? And I knew I was the consumer. I had been a Diet Coke drinker for many, many years, and I had left. I was a loyal consumer. I, I didn't drink Diet Pepsi. I only drank Diet Coke, and I drank, you know, some days 10 to 12 a day. I was Diet Coke. You could give it to me from my Circle K or cans or I was Diet Coke. People would say, do you want Diet Pepsi? Nope, I'm good. I'm going to find that Diet Coke. And so you have people like that who are so loyal and they're out. And they're, they were few and far between 17 years ago, but I was starting to find them. And I was starting to find them 
when I would hear from consumers early on, I would get on my customer service lines and also answer emails from these consumers. And there were consumers just like me who were doing it because they wanted to get healthier. And they realized that the word diet had they had been marketed to. And it was exactly like me, but different, like for different reasons. I remember the first time I ever heard from a consumer who really loved Tint, they shared this new disease with me um, that I was fascinated by called type 2 diabetes. I had never heard of type 2 diabetes. And and they were convinced that diet sweeteners was actually causing spikes. And yet, you know, diet sweeteners, everybody was saying 17 years ago, they don't do that. They don't cause spikes in sugar level. And I'm like, I, I get it. I don't know. Like maybe no one's talking about this. I, I have no idea. But in the meantime, I just don't drink diet sweeteners anymore. And again, this was just a guy who found our product and started drinking it. He was like walking into Whole Foods. But again, just going back to sort of the, the core of it is if you can find, that was my purpose, right? From, from day one, was to develop a product that helped people. And when when you have a North Star like that, it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to have a little bit of imposter syndrome, right, from these other people who are sort of in your industry that have a lot more experience, more money, whatever it is. But I think the most important thing for you to do and the only thing you can control is to really understand, are you servicing a consumer? Are you servicing an audience in some way? All right, Playmakers, it is now time to find your why. In collaboration with my partners at the Why Institute, you have access to the most high-impact assessment to find your why that will help you know who you are, know how you think, and know why you do what you do. I believe in this assessment so much that I invested in one for every playmaker out there. Consider it a gift from me to you on purpose. To take your assessment now, head over to whyinstitute.com slash playmakers. It only takes five minutes. And the best part, it is absolutely free. If you've already taken it, share it with somebody you know that needs to ignite more purpose in their life. It all starts by finding our why at whyinstitute.com slash playmakers. Let's get back to the show. So let's double click on this. And of course, we're all in on purpose. So in this case, it was, there was a deeper burn, a deeper mission, a deeper purpose, but it was packaged around a company. So in this case, Hint as a platform because of your personal mission that eventually launches into an enterprise. So for you, you found purpose. I don't want to say you found purpose, but you activated a sense of purpose through your organization. If somebody listening in says, 
That's not in my cards. I'm not looking at the entrepreneurial path. I'm concerned with my individual purpose. How can I show up today and tomorrow with a greater sense of purpose if it doesn't necessarily lead to starting a company or a nonprofit or whatever it is? What perspective or advice would you have for our playmaker community that are just looking to tap into their why, their purpose, and and just take it one day at a time? You know, it's it's interesting. I was I was just talking to my son about this, who's, who's in uh, college, actually, and we were having this whole conversation because I think that so often people sort of get stuck. I guess it's, it's, the, um, it's, it's the goal, right? Go find your purpose. Go find your mission. But sometimes in order to find that purpose and mission, you just have to start with not staying complacent, right? Going out and trying things figuring out what you enjoy doing. And when you go and take those little steps, that's when you actually figure out how can I actually tie this into something that I really care about? And I think when I even think about, you know, this, this big statement of what you really care about, it's what you like doing every single day, right? I mean, that's really what it, it boils down to. And that and and I think a lot of times when you're when you figure out what you really like doing every day, I mean, people often say, oh, it's really easy for me. Actually, when things are so easy for you that you don't actually have to, you know, struggle in the beginning to figure it out, then you're not going to stick with it necessarily. Right. You're not as at, impressed with yourself that you've been able to figure something out. I mean, people, for example, I know you do a lot of public speaking. I've talked to many people who have done public speaking, including myself, even though I was always a social uh, person growing up, I, I never thought I was very good at it. Right. And, and so I think when you, when you can actually go back and, connect the dots, right? As Steve Jobs said, and look at that you went from here to here. Those are the things that you start to figure out, how do I tie purpose into that? Like, what is it, like how I got better at that? And that makes it that much more fun um, for me. And so I think that it doesn't have to be tied to a company at all. But it can be, right? And and I think that if you start to look at, uh, you know, things that you really enjoy doing first, um, rather than thinking, okay, well, I can't do anything right now because I don't know what my purpose is. That's not a good answer. Yeah, and so to pull our audience in, something that I always do leading up to this, and this is part of a, a bigger mission of mine as I'm writing my second book, which will launch next year, the title of On Purpose. And really that's when we align our head to our heart, to our hands. And the playbook of how I'll illustrate that in the book is there's core values that are synonymous with people that are living and leading on purpose. And so what I do, so Kara, you know this, you got this in your inbox over the past few days. I said, hey, which of these values resonate most with you? And just reply with two or three of these dozen. And it's amazing the diversity of responses that I'll get depending on who's coming on the show or who's in my network. And one of the ones you said, and it ties into where we're A, going to go next and B, what you just said, 
One of the few that you responded with was curiosity. And I have also in different conversations heard you talk about curiosity. Quote, you say, satisfying your curiosity is living. I have heard you say that, which is so beautiful, so amazing. And so whether it's a conversation with your son or right now you're talking to all playmakers where you're bringing us because the number one lesson I've taken is you can't stay complacent. That is straight from your playbook. Don't stay complacent. Take a step. And so what if, if the end game is purpose, what if the kickoff is curiosity? Because curiosity can spark one step and then another. So there's some actions that are taking place and you're figuring it out. Does this align with my skill set, my gifts and my talents and my passions and all those things? But I often say curiosity can bring you to a place of discovery of passion because you just have that sense of enjoyment and inner fulfillment and that energy that is uncommon. And then you say, huh, curiosity gets me to passion. And once I'm playing in a space of passion, there's a whole lot of hints about your purpose in there, but you can't just open up a can and say, there's my purpose. Sometimes it starts with curiosity. So how does that land with you? The connection between curiosity and purpose? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right because curiosity takes you, I think curiosity often takes you to places where maybe you didn't have time, right? To, to check things out. Um, maybe you were too afraid, maybe you didn't know anyone, right. Who was headed in that direction. And I think that once you start to immerse yourself in it, uh, once that, then you start to figure out whether or not it's something that you're interested in, whether or not you're good at it, whether or not you can actually see progress in some way. And I think that that is what ultimately develops passion and, and starting to figure out, um, you know, those things. And, and I think it's, it's so hard, too, because I think people just, especially as you get older, too, people only do the things that are easy for them that they know that they're good at. And they're not really looking for things that they're curious about. And yet... I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier today. I think that the most interesting articles that I read or the most interesting podcasts that I listen to are things where or or articles or podcasts that tell me something I don't know. Right? That pique my interest. And yet I I think most people, when they're going through life, don't actually look for things that they don't know how to do because they're hard, right? They could fail, right? And so, and yet we know that about ourselves. I mean, you know, if you happen to, you watch a movie and it ends a different way than you thought it was going to, it becomes a great movie, right? And yet it's, it really is counter to how people live typically yet the people. And in fact, I'll even go further to say that if people don't take the easy way, then all of a sudden they're considered risky. Yes. Right. Or risk takers. I hear it all <laughs> the time. Yes. Oh, Paul, you left sports is Jerry Maguire leap. Oh my gosh. The courage 
And in reality, I just tapped into who I was and it actually was one of the easiest decisions of my life. But I hear you. I've been called too bold, too risky, crazy, all of the above. Yeah, because it goes against the grain. But yeah, to your point, if there's a movie about your life, we all love that surprise ending. And I'm not saying to go out and be irresponsible tomorrow, but like, mm, is vanilla really the flavor of life you want? Is no, it? Totally, right. And I think that that's the thing. And you ended up, I mean, I bet at some point you didn't know you were going to be heading in this direction, but you started no. winding down that, you know, beautiful uh, country road. Right. And then all of a sudden you're here. <laughs> right. And, 100%. and I think, yeah. And we're having this conversation. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's the way the best lives are that that that's how they play out and yet most people didn't know that they were going to end up in in that direction and until you know they're there and and i think that who's to if you sit there and listen to you know the people with more experience uh or the people that are basically telling you that you shouldn't go do something or that's going to not work out or it's going to be impossible. I, I'm a huge believer that people project what they believe about themselves and about what they've seen in their own life and versus actually allowing you to go and take risks. Family and friends are the worst, by the way. When you're starting a, a beverage company, you've been in the tech industry and you're starting a beverage company. I mean, I my family was really worried about me. They're like, wait, what, what you're, yeah, they'll get you're, you back to the safe road, right? They want the food on the totally. table. They want the roof over the head, which again, emotionally heart-based you understand, but I, I feel you on that friends and family. Sometimes you almost need to keep it. You need to make sure that you're aligned and connected yeah. before you Paul, invite you others okay? into that journey. Like you're, you're leaving an incredible team and it's hard. I'm not going to say it isn't. We've all been there. Right. We it's have. it's tough because especially when you care about those people and, you know, they're they're judging. Right. In some way, they don't intend to be doing that. They're just giving you their thoughts. But they're still saying, you know, I think Paul lost it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, if I could have a nickel for every time I heard that. Right. Yeah. And and so I think like that's the thing that you have to kind of go back to think that I don't think anybody, when they placed us on, you know, this planet, they didn't sit here and say, go play it safe, go. I mean, they, you should be, go find those new experiences, go, go pave those new roads. I mean, that, that's the most interesting journey out there. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have hurdles um, to overcome. It's really trying to figure out how to differentiate, how to enjoy, how to learn, how to find that passion that makes the most interesting lives. Absolutely. So to close this out here, because I know we're coming close to time, uh, I want to come down this home stretch and hear your response because while curiosity got us on this 
thought pattern. And I love where you've brought us. Another one of the values you responded with was grit. And as I listen to, let's say I tap into the Kara Golden show and an amazing podcast, please all playmakers, check it out. And I think playmakers, you're, she's going to have you at hello because literally in the 15 or 20 second intro of the show, one of the uh, sayings, and it reminds me of this famous Mike Tyson quote of everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. In this case, it's you can get knocked down, but don't get knocked out. And that's part of your intro. And I'm like, yes. So it feeds into a one of your childhood superpowers that I learned through your book, Undaunted and Perseverance, but it also leads into grit. So if somebody listening in closing question for you, they're in a tough spot right now. Grit is a part of the solution, but they don't know how to take the first step. Like whether it is pandemic related or family related or work related, like there's just a lot of stuff that they're processing right now. Or maybe to the point of your book of overcoming the doubts and doubters, maybe there's self-doubt. Maybe there are external doubters. So kind of a universal perspective, but what is one thing that all playmakers can do to express and cultivate more grit in their life so that they can be in a closer position to live on purpose tomorrow? So what, what one step would you recommend? So I think actually listening or reading about entrepreneurs or people that have been through journeys that are tough. Because look, misery is company, right? If you can see Steve Jobs get back up and figure out what his next move is and not stay down on the floor, you can do it too, right? And when everything looked so dark, they they weren't anymore, right? And I always like to sort of read and listen to people's stories and understand what they went through. Understand when they're faced with, you know, Starbucks, for example. There are so many people that said I would have just shut the doors at that at that point. But you can't, right? That's the thing. You have to figure out how to get back up again. And I think there's, it's whether it's in your personal life or your business life or a little bit of both, you can take a break. But I go back to, and I, it's a constant reminder for, for me throughout my life is you can take small breaks, but you can't stay complacent. Because if you stay complacent, you're dead. I, and you really have to figure figure out exactly and and it really does apply so taking those steps going and listening to other people's stories and figuring out how they did it um but also know that just taking it full circle uh, it's rarely as bad as you thought it was going to be right and so there's no reason to What's the worst that can happen? I mean, there's no reason to just stop, right? And I think that that's the most important thing. A million percent. So the mic drop moment is if you stay complacent, you're dead. All right, Playmakers, you heard it here first. Kara Golden, thank you so much. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? How would you like for Playmakers to engage? 
Yeah. So Kara Golden, all over social. Uh, and um, you mentioned my podcast where I interview great entrepreneurs and CEOs with amazing stories as well. It's called The Kara Golden Show. And hopefully you'll, you'll get a chance to pick up my book, Undaunted, or get it on Audible. Right here. And, Undaunted. Uh, I read my book, and uh, so you'll hear all kinds of uh, good stories along the way, and hopefully uh, you'll reach out and let me know what you think. One million percent, I promise there are countless playmakers out there that are all over everything you just said. So from the bottom of all of our hearts, Kara, thank you so much for being on Playmakers. Thank you. Loved what you just heard? Subscribe to Playmakers on purpose on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you tune in from. And for all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. And last call, if you haven't already, you can now take your personal why assessment in under five minutes for free at whyinstitute.com slash playmakers. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Point. See you next time as we continue to make plays on purpose together.